Welcome to Find the Magic, the podcast that will help you honor yourself, your kids, and your partner. We'll give you tips and strategies to create peace and authenticity within your family. We inhale a ridiculous amount of books and life tools and distill the information for you. I'm Terilyn Griffin. I'm Caitlin Gabriel. And I'm Felicia Allen. Let's find the magic together. What's up, you guys? It's Roger Jessup here with the Utah House Doctors, and it is winter, which means my favorite time of year. Time to get inside and do those DIY projects. And you're in luck, because right now we have a giveaway going for one of my favorites. It's Stickwood. And if you haven't seen Stickwood, you need to enter this giveaway. It's a peel and stick pallet wall, and we're giving away a whole wall. They have all different sorts of materials and colors for whatever fits your style. So hop on over to our page. Again, it's Utah House Doctors, and I hope you win. Hey everyone, this is Tara Lynn, and I am going to start us out with a face palm. And that is, I climbed up on my judgment seat about... <laughs> We're placing our keys with my husband the other day. So we have a place in our house where we hang our keys. We have them on lanyards. And when I park in the, when we park in the garage, we just leave them in our cars. But um, lately, we've been having boxes in our garage. So we're parking outside. Well, the other day, Jeff had driven my Jeep. And he had left the keys in his pants pockets. So it's in the morning. I'm trying to go work out. I can't find it. Everybody's asleep, right? And I'm just like bugged right I'm just like <laughs> complaining under my breath he doesn't he, you know he was sleeping through this so he doesn't know these feelings I was feeling but I'm like why don't you just hang the keys up in the spot <laughs> you know all judgy about it I found them in his pants pocket in his sink and it was fine luckily that actually is his I should have just gone there because that is <laughs> usually just... where he keeps them but but I was just bugged well guys this morning guess what couldn't find my own ding <laughs> I had to have Felicia come pick me up and bring me here. And so it's like, again, same time in the morning, you know, before 6 a.m. And I'm just, this time, cursing, like, but for myself. And the thing about it, it's frustrating, is I still don't know where they are. <laughs> At least he had a place. Second of all, I feel worse about it because I had been so judgy in my mind literally just two days ago. And here I am, even worse, because I didn't even put them in. I mean, I still have no idea. Like, I hope I can find them, because I need them later today. <laughs> so, so, just a good reminder, though we all make mistakes and misplace things sometimes, so don't be so dang judgy oh. for myself. I'm talking to myself here. And my other lesson I'm learning from this is just hang up my keys in the spot that I have set aside for them. Why didn't I just hang them up last night? And I got home late, so I literally have no recollection of where the keys even It's a blur. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that's my face bomb. Total oh. face bomb. Keys lost. Felicia. Classic face bomb. Felicia had to come save me. And I apologize, Jeffrey, for the thoughts I had in my mind that you didn't even know that I had. Hey, but there's some validity as a the person usually home to being frustrated at misplaced items. Because I feel like that's a constant in my life. Where is this? And I'm the only person who knows in the whole house. It's exhausting mm. to me. So you maybe have some pent up frustration yeah. of lost items. The worst is when 
piece. Anybody, let's say my kids, will leave <laughs> stuff out. And as I say this, there's no judgment here. I leave stuff out too. Right. I get it. But I'm. But you clean that up. Yeah. All the things. But if I happen to pick up somebody else's thing and then they ask later, where did you put it? But I'm just like, in, you know, I'm listening to my book, just yeah, yeah. tidying up. Yeah. I'm like, I have no recollection of where I put I that. Know. I'm so sorry. But it was left out. So whatever. Good luck. I know. <laughs> I know. Anyway. My kids have learned that lesson the hard way many times. Okay. I have a high five. I know that this is old news and all of you made sourdough and had your own starters at the beginning of the pandemic. I saw this going around of the quarantine. Everybody's making sourdough. I didn't then, but um, I had a friend, Brooke, who inspired me. She makes tons of sourdough and loaves and they're beautiful. And so I was going to make some, kill the sourdough starter that my mother-in-law gave me that was like from 1865 that no one had ever killed since 1865 <laughs> except for me <laughs> i think it was dead it looked gross so i was determined and grew my own starter which sounds not satisfying it's very satisfying because you have to just keep adding the flour and water for a week oh. and all of a sudden it's like alive. Mm. It's like growing. It's very, like, every day I open it and it's, like, bubbling. It's like a child. It's mm. very satisfying. You should try try growing up. My friend calls hers a kitchen pet. Yeah. Like, you just kind of keep it alive and I know. care for it and it gives back to you. I just really love. like it. Yeah, it's very satisfying. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> Parker, my husband, or me. <laughs> We, like, prepped the dough the night before to make sourdough pancakes or waffles. I can't remember because you have to, like, make it the night before. And we're, like, in our – it was just so funny because it's not really that we're that – he was just so satisfied by the – being so domestic. Like, I just love that we're, like, prepping something the night before. <laughs> so funny. I'm, like, yeah. I don't know if we should be proud of this, but we were very proud. Okay, so we have some great listener questions, and can I just say, we get so many really good listener questions, and I love them because if I feel like I'm starting to know a lot of you, a lot of people in our little Find the Magic community that, you know, talk to us on social media and send us questions. I just love the community here, so thank you guys. I love it, too. For your questions. They're and great. you can leave us questions on our reviews on mm-hmm. iTunes mm-hmm. and also on Instagram. Yeah. Either place is great. And our personal pages, which is just our names mm-hmm. or find the magic podcast. Mm-hmm. Okay. So our first question is from Kylie and she asks, how are you all dealing with burnout, disconnection and isolation during quarantine? Um, I thought this question was super relevant because we're all in some sort of quarantine. I do want to preface this with that here we live in utah and we aren't really shut down Mm -hmm. that much we have a mask mandate but besides that i mean some um like sports and things some workout facilities are closed but it's not really like schools are open and yeah there are other places that are way more shut down yeah so with that preface um I can say that my first suggestion and something that has really been helping me because it's not necessarily for me that I feel that uniquely isolated or disconnected because I already have four little kids and I was mostly home. 
Anyways, so there's not a ton of changes. <laughs> that meme where <laughs> it says, when you find out your normal life is called, quote, quarantine. quarantine. <laughs> I know. That's me. There's a lot of moms out there who yeah. are like, yeah, that's yeah. how I was already uh, yeah. living. <laughs> And my kids are so little that they weren't really in very many activities that got shut down. They weren't in school. So it was, um, well, besides Cohen, I guess, my oldest who, but he was just in half-day kindergarten. It just wasn't really that huge of a change. It was, it has felt frustrating and annoying, the length of it. But but I can say um, I've tried to focus on <clears throat> more self-discovery and we've been talking about this a lot um with with our creating meaning episode and we have an episode also on intuition that will be out yeah it will be out when you guys listen to this and I just feel like focusing more inward and I think there's a lot more um solitude and um which solitude is the positive word for <laughs> being isolation. alone <laughs> for isolation. <laughs> but I've tried to look at it at this time as a time of discovering what is important to me and focusing more on kind of just like my inner landscape. And it has been really helpful to feel, um, instead of feeling frustrated towards not being able to do things that in a way when I look at them were ways that I was kind of um, numbing. I don't know if numbing is the right word, but I think that a lot of times we're just so busy that we aren't like feeling our feels. <laughs> and so it has been, you know, uncomfortable to be a little more, I guess, bored and not being able to go and do stuff all the time and be with a lot of people. Um, and so I've tried to sit more with that discomfort, which is not my strength. So I'm definitely more of like a busy, like let's do something person. And that's why winter is hard for me, which is the same feeling as quarantine to me. It's worse, frankly. That's good. Because <laughs> it happens every year for half it a year. It comes again. Um, and so I've, I've tried to focus on that. And I don't know if that is is helpful. It is just kind of hard and uncomfortable, but it's gotten easier and I feel like I've um, had more time to like ponder and wrestle with mm -hmm. things. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I only have two small things to add to that. One is what I have found during this time is that I am craving connection, actual connection, <clears throat> but the trap that I think a lot of us fall into, myself included, especially at the beginning when I had a lot of big feelings around like what a pandemic means and what does this mean for our future of our business and all those kinds of things you know my my husband's job and that kind of stuff so when i was dealing with all those big feelings i was craving connection that i had been missing because at the time at that time all of our stuff was shut down i mean we were all home mm -hmm. and i mean i wasn't seeing any of my people i it was hard um my, the trap I fell into was reaching out for false and filling with false connections. Mm -hmm. So I was like obsessively checking social media. Like, oh yeah, I need to feel connected totally. to somebody and I'm not feeling mm -hmm. there's a hole here and I'm just feeling it. But the thing is, is it's not real connection. Mm -hmm. And so it just left me feeling more empty. Yeah. So my first tip would be you have a need. We all have need for connection. And sometimes during this time, 
using Kylie's words, burnout, disconnection, and isolation. There are ways, even without seeing other people as much as you'd like, to connect. So it might be I'm craving a conversation with an adult who I don't live with, mm-hmm. right? Maybe that's the need you're feeling. Mm-hmm. So instead of checking social media, reaching out, having a phone call with a friend who you feel like you can actually share things with. Because mm-hmm. sometimes it's nice to have somebody to be able to share something with that you don't, you know, totally. you're not emotionally as connected to. Totally. Um, you know, like you just need to vent a little bit mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I would say reach out for real connection. Be aware of when you are reaching for false connection, knowing that it's not going to help you. Mm-hmm. So use that time instead for real connection. And the other thing just to add to uh, switching the frame of isolation to solitude, um, for me, tethering myself to true solitude, which will link the episode, honing your morning routine, is the key to my mental health during this time. The key, mm-hmm. which is actually literally you're taking that solitude and you're just embracing it and filling yourself up through for me it's meditation prayer visualizations affirmations exercise reading and writing if i do that i'm amazed how much better my mental health is during this time and then also tethering myself to real things so again real solitude real connection with other humans and for me another thing that tethers myself to real things when times are tough during quarantine is if you can't if you're in a place where you can get outside for me just walking outside and feeling the sun on my face and not just again looking through a screen at pretty things totally seeing other people's vacations or whatever Mm -hmm. walking outside for me I mean we had an earthquake many months ago and it was right in the middle of I mean everything was shutting down Mm -hmm. and we had an earthquake and for me like we were we were actually just we'd put an offer on a house like it was like a day of like really big feelings like Mm -hmm. I was like what's happening yeah, are, are we going to have a livelihood next month? Mm-hmm. Are we going to be able to buy our house? Like, it was, like, a stressful feeling of a day. And I took my kids into the mountains for, like, three hours that afternoon. Like, and I cannot tell you how good it, like, soothed my soul. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it was almost like a, like, I can't describe it. Like, I was compelled in a good way. Like, I need something real. Mm-hmm. That's not just in my head. It's not going to go away. Mm-hmm. And there's something about nature that is really, really grounding. So even if that's just getting outside in your backyard and feeling the ground beneath your feet and the sun on your face, I think is medicine. Not only do I think it's medicine, there's actually a book. I'll link it. It's called The Nature Fix. It's literally mm-hmm. about how getting outside into nature does the exact same thing as actual medicine, mm-hmm. <laughs> but without any side effects. So those are my three tips. Real solitude, real earth getting out and real connection with real humans, not false connection on social media would be my three big tips for dealing with fun pandemic stuff. Mm -hmm. Love it. Okay. Our second question is a really good one. This is from Chelsea. She says, can you give examples of responding versus reacting when toddler puts himself in an unsituation? For example, runs into the road or sits on the baby, etc." So this is a great question because we talk a lot about uh, being unruffled using Janet Lansbury's term here. She's one of our favorite parenting mentors. Um, However, so when it comes to something like this, running into the road or sitting on a baby, those are a little bit more, I'm gonna use the word urgent. They require immediate action. You don't wanna be moving super slowly, right? because you don't want your kid to run out in the road. So let's use the road example first. I would say here 
and this is again using John Lansbury's terms, uh, sometimes we think that when something is urgent, meaning requires immediate action, that means our emotions need to elevate really high to communicate the urgency, mm. right? So we think that means I gotta yank their arm, yell, and say, don't go on the road, and like mm. you're really panicked, right? Because you think if they don't feel that I'm afraid, they're going to keep going on the road. Mm-hmm. However, children are testing boundaries, and when we react with lots of emotion ourselves, they simply focus on our reaction and not their actions. So, and this is easier said than done. As I say this, it takes practice, so don't beat yourself up if you freak out and you're yelling with a panicked voice. So <laughs> give yourself a little grace, but this is what we're going for. And the more you do this, the more you practice it, the easier it gets. I promise you it gets easier and easier. So you practice just so you're, you know, your toddler is running in the road. They're running towards the road. <laughs> okay. And you can literally, like, I, there's been times where I've done this where I have to run over to catch them, right? right? So I'm moving quickly. <clears throat> mm-hmm. However, when I get to them, you can still use, I mean, instead of firm, instead of the word stern or panicked, I mean, use the word firm. So it's a firm, like I can take both hands and hold them firmly and say, I won't let you go on the road. It's not safe. But see how I can keep my voice? Like, I don't have to be actually freaking out. I can just say it really firmly, but without anger or panic. And the beauty of this is your child. So if you're freaking out, your kid is going to be just reacting to your emotion. They're probably going to cry because they can feel your fear. However, if you can remain unruffled but firm, they feel, one, safe. You're protecting them, right? You, They know my mom doesn't want me to get hurt. Mm-hmm. Two... They're not going to be reacting to your own fear and your panic. Mm-hmm. They're just going to be focusing on their own, that they just went into the road and their mom didn't let them because you're just setting a firm boundary. Mm-hmm. And every time they do it, because guess what? Yeah, my kids aren't running the road anymore, but when they're like one or two, they keep trying. It's the whole thing. I mean, Caitlin's son right now is one and he like runs, for, like we walk outside Constant. and he like runs for the road, yeah. right? Because he's testing what's going to happen. What's going to happen when I run for the road? What is my mom going to do, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so it takes over and over just to firm, <clears throat> hold, I won't let you go on the road. It's not safe. Over and over and over. And you do it. And I have to say, I've also, like with my first, I've experienced the where you're panicking, don't go on the road. And guess what? They don't do it any less. Right. So in fact, if anything, I'm going to make a leap here and say they actually do it way more because they're looking for that crazy reaction. They're like, whoa, I did yeah. this and my mom is really reacting. This really applies to the sitting on the baby situation. Kids are always, they're feeling a lot of emotion toward that baby. They can't articulate it because they don't have the words to do it. And if you react with anger and panic and high, high emotions every time they do something to irritate the baby, whether it's sitting on the baby, hitting the baby, poking at the baby, throwing stuff at the baby. I mean, put any action, any verb in front of to the baby. Yeah. (laughs) And when you react with anger... That's all your kid knows is, I'm feeling this. I'm kind of feeling mad. And it just makes them matter at the baby. Totally. And it also makes them, I'm going to keep pushing because I, I'm getting this reaction out of my parent. And it's simply the nature of small children. They are doing an action, testing out what your reaction is going to be. So when you don't give them a huge reaction, again, exact same thing. It can be fast. You don't have to move like a sloth. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I'm close by, I still try to move slowly. Yeah. Because that extra... 15th of a second doesn't make a difference right 
but the energy, my energy makes a huge difference. So if I can just reach over, say, I won't let you sit on the baby and move yeah. on. And that's it. Like, yeah. that's it. You don't have to be like, you're being so mean. Why are you doing that to the baby? They, they don't know why they're doing it. Mm-hmm. They can't explain why they're mm-hmm. doing it. We as adults know why they're doing it because mm-hmm. they're feeling a lot of emotions, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And they don't know how to get them out healthily. Mm-hmm. So you can say something like, I can see you're really mad. If you want, you can say something, uh, you can say things like that to help them feel understood. You know, I can see you're feeling really frustrated. So you, you firmly grab them. I won't let you sit on the baby. And I would usually just leave it like that. You can also follow up with, I can see you're really frustrated. I'm going to keep you over here. And the baby, I'm going to put over here, mm-hmm. you know, so you're mm-hmm. not by each other. I'm going to hold you. Yeah. Or I'll hold you. Mm-hmm. And your kid can cry because they'll probably feel bad. Kids know that they shouldn't be hurting other. Mm-hmm. Deep down, they know it. it doesn't feel good to hurt other people. And sometimes I'll follow up with something like, you're both precious to me. Or um, what really works with one of my kids, I'll say, I'll actually grab his hands and I'll say, I won't let you hit him. You're too precious to me. Mm-hmm. And I just leave it at that. I actually don't even bring in the other person mm-hmm. <laughs> because I know that it doesn't feel good to hurt other people. And so you're precious to me. I'm not going to let you. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. You don't have to guilt. You don't have to freak out. You don't have to do any of those things. It's just for me channeling the word unruffled and firm in these urgent situations are helpful. You don't have to lose it. You don't have to be like it doesn't it doesn't make it more effective if you yell. Totally. Anyway, that's my and again, it just takes practice. But you can, I actually feel like you can get to the point, especially especially if you're doing a morning routine where you've built up a nice, good patient skin. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you can get to the point where that's your go-to reaction. Mm-hmm. And then every once in a while, you still lose it. You're and not as fast. Whereas when you first start, I feel like most of the time you're losing it. <laughs> and then you're unruffled a few times. And it's just practice. So mm-hmm. practice with the morning routine to get your patient's skin nice and thick. So you have some to last through the day. And... Then just practice it. And the ratios eventually, don't you think? The ratios eventually switch. So you're mostly reacting unruffled. In fact, just yesterday, one of my kids was, it was so annoying. She had this plastic bat and she was pretending to hit people. She wasn't. (laughs) She was just like, and it was just annoying, right? Right. But it was so funny because my oldest, (laughs) she was like so unfazed, so unfazed. She was like, can you please stop that? And she didn't. And I was like, Lydia, you have really practiced being unruffled, like full blown, just communicating what you want with no emotion. And it was just a reminder to me, the gift that our kids are to us. Mm -hmm. They make us practice patience over and over and over to the point where we can do something that used to 10 years ago, if somebody would have been pretending to hit me in the face, like, and again, that sounds like it's violent. Like it was just like mildly annoying. (laughs) Right, Right, right. But I wouldn't have been able to handle it. But right. that's what kids do to us, is they they literally teach us how to stay unruffled even when situations are really frustrating. So totally. it's a gift that our kids give to us. I saw this meme, whatever they're called. I still don't know. Me, me, me. me, me. That said, depending on the day, I can either be the, oh, it's okay, we all spill mom or the oh my gosh you put your cup on the edge of the table like (laughs) and I was just it was just so much truth it just it's sometimes you do it right and you're calm and sometimes you don't and hopefully the ratio kind of swaps I can say I wanted to say about unsafe situations um really making sure that you 
are aware of when something is actually unsafe, like the road. Yeah. And sitting on baby, I would put in the not necessarily unsafe within the moment of time when you can see it. Like unsafe to me is like, if you do that, there's a high likelihood that you could get really badly hurt or die. And I feel like my um, tolerance for this is maybe thicker because I do have boys and girls, whatever, but I have three kids, they're boys, the oldest, that are all more physical and high energy. And there's girls that are like that too. And I feel like the more I can um, clarify, like change my lens and say, is this actually unsafe or is just a situation that I am uncomfortable with because I'm a mom and it's putting me in the place where I might have to help them and I really don't want to, or, you know, I just don't want them to do it because I don't want to, them to, because I'm an adult. But I think sometimes we jump in too soon. Like maybe it's our toddler going on a slide that they feel like for them, they've assessed the risk that this ladder isn't too high for them. And I think we don't give our kids all the time enough um, room to assess that risk. We jump in and say, oh my gosh, like, no, you're going to fall from that ladder. But when in reality, they're probably not. They've assessed it. And if you've given them practice, so that doesn't mean you don't like move in and be close in case they're looking a little wobbly on the ladder. But don't immediately go to, I, in my adult mind, think you're going to fall. So I'm going to take you down. So I'm just going to put that little caveat. I think it's helpful with kids because um, we, I don't like to be saying all the time, that's not safe or be careful. Um, my favorite thing to say when my kids are doing something like that is to be aware yeah. and Terilyn uses that too. And I feel like it makes your kids be like, okay, let me assess my risk, but my mom's not gonna, um, like I feel like it can remove confidence. Like they won't try oh, new totally. stuff. Well, yeah, we've read lots of research about risk management. If you're able to teach your children risk management when they're young, they actually get hurt less as they age because they know I can jump off three feet and be fine. Right. Four feet was a little much. Right. Whatever. You know what I mean? Right. They, they learn. It's body awareness. And that phrase, be aware, I say it to my kids all the time when they're climbing trees. Yeah. You know? So I'm giving them tips like, okay, remember I always have a hand and a foot securely on a branch mm-hmm. before you move it. You know, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. So you can, you can teach them skills, but instead of saying being careful and always, I don't want them to always be afraid. Right. So just saying be aware is amazing because you can see their little brains being like, hold on, am I am I safe here? They're yeah. asking themselves, am yeah. I safe? And let me make sure I understand what you're saying about, so I totally agree with that in the risk management safety arena. Um, I think when you have, say for example, like your you know, four-year-old and a two-year-old wrestling that there will be times where, yeah, you don't need to jump in every second because it's okay for them to wrestle and they, you know, they might bonk their elbow or whatever. But, um, I'm thinking, I don't know what age baby this listener has, but I think for the most part, if it's a small baby, you want to get off that toddler pretty fast. So, yeah, I would say for my, cause I have, you know, like two years apart. So my, my older one was always around like 22 to 24 months when I had a baby. And with a newborn, they were never just like sitting in a spot where yes. the toddler can sit on them. Yes, because that's another thing is you can prevent a lot of these things just by keeping the baby in a situation where right. they're not going to be sat on. Right, right. <laughs> but now like Wes, she's six months. So she's a lot of the time like kind of like 
rolling her chubby little self around on the rug. Mm -hmm. And it happens every single day that Sunny goes over and he does the deep squat over her belly. (laughs) And he looks for me. You know what I mean? And he's kind of like doing the booty bump on the belly. Like, you know, is this going to go somewhere? (laughs) And (laughs) it's his favorite move. (laughs) And I can see it. In his face, like, what are you going to do? And so in, I guess it's that lens of, this isn't really unsafe. Even if he fully, like, sat for a second. So what do you what do? You do? <laughs> I just go over. Usually I like to use it. I try to use those moments as a time to connect with the older one. Yeah. Because the baby's just kind of, like, curious. Like, Wes isn't crying. She's just yeah, kind of like, really what's going to happen? <laughs> and so I'll usually, like lift him off like I won't let you sit on the baby or I don't even say that just like because he knows yeah yeah. just like (laughs) come in and move him yeah (laughs) since this is going on for three months now I think he he realizes (laughs) okay I wish I would have had you answer that question first because I was gonna say I don't know if I've ever had a kid sit on the baby before (laughs) I was picturing like a newborn and then a kid comes and like sits on their face which which would be an urgent unsafe urgent but the the little just baby bounce while looking at you for a reaction that's kind of funny the baby cherub or sometimes he'll go over to her and grab her hand and this again if like i think just like use your lens of like the toddler not freak out like terrell said he'll go stick her hand in his mouth do a biting face and the biting shake but his teeth aren't even touching her hand and just look at me just to see if you're gonna react yeah and then he'll go and kiss him and walk away. <laughs> just just a test. Test in the water. And it's, I think that exactly what you described and you described it well, but if we can be just a soft gaze. We're there, we're seeing, we, I mean, you might have to move fast, right? If he were to then all of a sudden put like his whole weight on her and like really test it, you have to move fast. Yeah. But then when you get there, you don't want to be like, oh my gosh, why would you sit on her and like yank him? Um, just try to control your own body. That is fascinating to me, Felicia. It's crazy. I can just see little son in his face. <laughs> he has these big brown eyes, and I can totally just see him like, so what's going to happen? I know. Here? He does it all in a very charming way, too. Huh. It's not like he's mad. Just yeah. test. Just testing it out. <laughs> wow. Okay, that's I love funny. it. Okay, that's a really good example, though, that he's testing to see what are you going to do here. And since you're not actually reacting, he's not actually hurting anybody. Right. He doesn't put his full weight, mm-hmm. nor does he actually bite. So... That's a win. See if he's got power. He's you just, know? Yeah, he's just testing out his power. Can I get my mom to freak out? Oh, she's not going to. So I'm not actually going to hurt anybody here. Totally. Wow. Yeah. I love crazy. that. That's a really good example. All right. So our next question is from Joanna. And she says, yesterday my son was so excited about a talent show at camp. When I picked him up, the counselor told me he didn't want to be in the talent show anymore. When I asked my son why, he, he responded, because I don't want to, don't ask me again. I explained to him that I would just ask one more time in case he wanted to tell me. I'm dying a little inside wanting to know why he didn't want to do the talent show. How do I trust my son's intuition without stepping on boundaries? And she also says that it happened again the other day with a, a different decision he made. And I wanted to know why. Um, and I empathize when our kids are, you know, being withholding or you can't quite crack their emotions that's super hard and frustrating as a mom um so i haven't had this situation it sounds like the talent show wasn't um something that you 
you know, signed up for like a sport that was an ongoing commitment to a team and a coach. Because in that situation, um, I would say if your kids are wanting to get out in like the middle of a season, I, my rule, and we haven't come up against this boundary yet, is that um, they will stay in the commitment until the end. So my only advice in this situation, because it sounds like he doesn't need to do this talent show, like it would be an okay thing. I don't know, you probably didn't pay money to be in it. Um, an okay thing to, to let him choose to not do that. I um, would just say with curiosity, you know, I want to keep you safe because the only thing that came to Terrilyn and I's mind is there something that's going on with the talent show, bullying, someone making fun of him, um, just a unique situation with another person that you might want to be aware of as a parent so you can help him. Um, and then I would get curious about that. But besides that, I would say just let it pass. Yeah, because being clean, like clean emotionally about it would be being able to let go of your own curiosity. Because if it's just you're trying to find out because you're curious, kids can feel that and they're going to be like, yeah. no, I, I'm not going to tell you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> However, yeah, as a mother, I would simply just want to rule out that there's not something that you that's going on that you need to help them process. So mm -hmm. I would just say, um, I totally understand. That's your choice. You know, you don't have to do it. Um, because I'm your mom and I just want to make sure I'm here for you and helping you. If you need help, can I just ask you a couple questions? First, you know, is there somebody who's been being unkind to you? With the energy of not because I'm going to come in and freak out at the person, I simply want to just hear you, right? Yeah. Or is there something happening that, that made you not want to do it? Because it could just be that he's not in the mood to do it and doesn't right. want to sing in front of people. Right. And that's totally fine, right? Right. But just, I would just say that just because you just wanted to rule out. And again, if you've proven in the past that they can tell you hard things like, yeah, somebody made fun of my singing voice, and you're not going to freak out and go yell at their parents. Because mm -hmm. if you've done that in the past, they're not going to tell you now, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? But if you can prove to them, like, you can tell me things, and I can just hear them and be here to help you process it, then um, I think that just adds to the bank account of that transparency. So that's all I would do. I would say clear my own curiosity, right? Because it's, it's not about how we're feeling in the situation. Just, yeah, I, I totally get your decision. Um, because I want to just make sure that everything's okay and I want to be here for you. I'm just going to ask you a couple questions just because I want to make sure you're safe. Or the reason why I say safe is because, um, for example, like if it was like a sports situation. So this is another thing. Mm -hmm. So I'm with Felicia. We have the rule in our family. You get a, Our kids get to choose if they play it to start with. But once they've signed up with the team, they at least have to finish the season. So mm -hmm. they're not like letting other people down and they're learning to finish things. But then at the end of the season, they totally there's no pressure to choose it again. But a couple years ago, my daughter was on a ski team and about three quarters of the way through said she didn't want to do it anymore. And so my question was, she loves skiing and she loves ski team. So I wanted to make sure that she wasn't doing it because there was like a problem. I mean, worst case scenario, like an abuse situation. Mm -hmm. Best, best worst case scenario, just maybe somebody was like grumpy. And so I asked, I'm like, you know, I explained to her, well, this is what we normally do. However... You know, we stick with it through the end of the season. However, I want to hear, just tell me, you know, is there something that happened that made you change your mind or something that made you feel either unsafe or because I want her to be able to tell me. And yeah, it turns out that her and her little friends, they had done something wrong 
and their coach didn't yell at them, but just was a little like grumpy about it. Mm. And she's just super sensitive about that <laughs> and didn't like it, mm-hmm. you know. So just being able to talk about it, I was able to clear that like nothing traumatic has happened. Mm-hmm. It's just she didn't like the grumpy tone, mm-hmm. the you know the correction that the coach gave her. And so I was able to say with confidence, we can do the last two days of ski team, and it's right. going to be okay, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't want to not give her the chance to tell me if something really was happening and just be obsessed with my own rule of, no, you have to do it because you said you're going to do it. Right. So those are my only tips. Get clean about your own emotions. Be curious. And um, just to rule out those those kinds of things. but And be a safe space for them to tell you something. And if they don't tell you this time, then that's okay. You just prove over time that like you can tell me things and I'm not going to freak out. So. Totally. I love that. All right, our next question is from Jenny, and she says, do you limit time that your kids want to spend doing something that they really like? For example, my son, who is almost three, is really into golf. He could spend all day swinging his little plastic clubs or hitting balls in the front yard or going to the golf course and playing on the putting greens. I love that he loves it and try to let him lead the things he's interested in, but he isn't that into imaginative play or doing blocks or anything like that, and I wonder if I should try to encourage those types of play more. <clears throat> so, I think that the only thing I have to say to this is your son is playing exactly how he needs to be playing. Kids um, play whatever they need to play to, to develop their little brains. And all of my kids play differently. Some are you know, more into like physical, running, throwing play, tramp, some are more, you know, more into building, more imaginative. And I think just trusting and letting him go off into that world is the best thing you can do. Just trusting that he knows what free play should look like to him. Um, And, you know, I, I wouldn't ever interrupt his obviously if you need to go places but I think that just letting him do his thing I think sometimes playing for our kids is like staring at the wall and counting the bumps I mean we all remember doing that and we live right now in a time where we have certain expectations of kids throughout the day where it's like you know they need to be learning or doing or now should I put on a show and bring out the next craft project and I would try to avoid that at all costs and it's hard when it's your first because you're like well I do have the time I could like get out the watercolors for him you know and pull him away from his playing with his little plastic clubs but I think their attention spans and their ability to create play is infinite if we don't interrupt it. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be plenty of times where you're like, oh, I wish he would just sit and play with his little plastic clubs. <laughs> so I would say just let him be. <laughs> Amen. And honestly, thank the heavens that your three-year-old has something that, that he's enter- obsessed with. Yeah. That you'll entertain him for that long. That's totally. not a screen. I mean, totally. That's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. I love that. Just trusting the process of yep. where your kids' free play takes mm-hmm. them is so good. Oh, so cute. I can just picture a little three-year-old. I know. That's adorable. Okay, our last question. Anonymous. Is is anonymous. Yeah. I was thinking it would be helpful to talk about friendships in motherhood. 
maybe the types of friends you need, how to make them, but also to deal with losing them when it's no longer the right thing for you or your children. Okay, so there are two, really to me, two sections to this question. So first I'll address the first one, just the concept of friendship and motherhood. So the first thing that I think is really important to know is I think a lot of us, most of us, feel like everybody else has this amazing support network of about a dozen friends mm -hmm. who, you know, they go to lunch with all the time mm -hmm. and they can call at any moment and just chat for hours on the phone. And we picture this. I mean, I, I've seen this in TV shows. So like, I just think that that's must be how life is. However, looking at my own life and talking with a lot of women about their lives, and listening to Brene Brown, who is just, I feel like, the say-all of all subjects. Um, she says that we do have this perception that everybody has, like, dozens and dozens of really close people. However, most of us have three to five. Totally. People. So that's, like, husband. my husband is one of those mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so my parents, that's two more of those people. Mm -hmm. So, and, and I think how she says it, I don't want to misquote her here, but... She says something like, consider yourself lucky if you have mm -hmm. three to five. Mm -hmm. So um, for me, I mean, that's pretty much my family and like Felicia, Caitlin, and I have some great, you know, in-laws. Mm -hmm. So really, I think just first of all, knowing that like if, you, if you're feeling like you need a lot more, know that most people don't have a lot more. Mm -hmm. They just have a few close people. Mm -hmm. So if you have those feel grateful for whoever those mm -hmm. people are in your life. Mm -hmm. Send them a text right now that says, thank you for being one of my people, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. So that expectation, I think, just knowing that you're not missing out because you don't have a dozen of closely knit friends mm -hmm. is good. Just kind of let yourself off the hook there. However, that being said, we are not, I am firmly convinced that we are not designed as humans to raise children in a bubble. We have these houses that are generally not connected to each other. And it used to be where, I mean, most generations before us, a few hundred years and before that, were going back thousands of years. You raise kids in a village where you can hear everything that's going on. You're doing laundry while the other moms can see your kids. And a lot of times we don't have that anymore. So I think what oftentimes we are missing is that feeling of shared responsibility and connection with our children. And... I think that kind of goes through phases in our lives. So for me, that looked like when my kids were really little, making sure I got outside and met other moms with little kids. Mm -hmm. So for example, in my neighborhood, I was fortunate enough to have several <clears throat> moms who had kids the same age. And I mean, we would go out every day and it was so good for my soul mm -hmm. to feel like I get to connect with another adult because when you have little, little kids, I mean... I, there wasn't much to take me out like they're totally. not they're not having their own activities I'm just trying to keep us all alive yeah. right and so my friends um, in my neighborhood Cammie and Kelsey if you listen to this um, were like literally lifesavers for me mm -hmm. like they they filled a need in my soul for friendship that was so valuable so if you have little little kids I think it is worth trying to cultivate some kind of village with other women and it doesn't have to be a lot of other women just a couple but it could just be a, honestly a weekly park date right it could be there are mothers groups online that you can connect with in certain areas i mean there are, there are hiking groups there mm -hmm. are luckily we have these ways of connecting you find your interests and then you actually get together mm -hmm. the kids get to play you get to talk with other adults 
So I think it's worth cultivating if you are feeling like you kind of have that vacuum and having moms, there is something beautiful about having moms who are in the same situation as you are. Totally. Especially when you have tiny, tiny kids. Like my husband couldn't fill that for me. Right. He couldn't. It's true. No matter how much he tried. It's true. He couldn't fill that empathy of, yes, I know what you're going through. Do you feel like you just want to cry because you just got pooped on for the fourth time today? (laughs) Totally. Not because he's not trying, but he's just living a whole different world. He's worried Mm -hmm. about other things. But my friends could do that for me. Yeah. And now that my kids are older, I don't. I don't have that same need as I had before. And now it's more honestly like seeing my close people and then I have all these other friendships that are just on the back burner that when I see them, it's great, but I rarely see them anymore, right? Yeah. Like I'm rarely like, hey, I mean, I don't even do park dates that much anymore because my kids are, kids older. are older. So right. just knowing that we all have different seasons yeah. where we have different needs and be okay with that and not have this expectation that you're being left out because you don't have the same friend group that you see on TV. And then also, especially to moms out there of little tiny, tiny kids, I think there are ways to still cultivate that village. And that is a regular seeing other adults. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whether it's walking outside your front sure. door or driving somewhere that you can all meet. It's mm-hmm. it's so, so, so valuable. Mm-hmm. And I think we need it. We need to connect with other women. It's true. So I think that's really, really important. And I think it's actually too much, not too much to expect. <laughs> that sounds really condescending. But I think it's liberating to realize that our husbands are not the same as girlfriends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not. Yeah. They're great. They can do a lot. But mm-hmm. they can't give us the same thing that a girlfriend can give us. Just like our girlfriends can't give us the same thing that our husbands can. Right? Exactly. So yeah. it's great to have both. Yeah. And I think if you, you know, we're, we all go and have experiences with our kids whether that's we go to a park or um, that's usually the place for me but you know maybe you do like an aquarium or or something and just look around where you are and strike up a conversation with someone I mean a, a mom who's at the park the same time as you with her kids probably has something in common with you and I try to do that more and more and it might not turn into a friendship um, but it could just be that adult conversation and connection that you need mm-hmm. so yeah. that would be my only tip there and the second part <clears throat> of that question is how to deal with losing them when it's no longer the right thing for you or your children and I personally don't have a lot of experience with like breaking up with a friend mm-hmm. <laughs> for me if it's not working for me then I just don't reach out to that person or you know right don't go do stuff with that person right. anymore but it's never been like a dramatic event. So my only tip with that is, I don't know exactly what situation this listener is talking about. Like if something happened that um, she's uncomfortable with that makes her feel like she needs to for somehow cut off a friendship, which happens. I mean, sometimes people do do things that make it so that you don't want them in your life anymore and that's okay. I would say my biggest tip for that, I'm kind of a anti-drama kind of girl. Mm I like to make things just as easy in relationships as possible. Not in a people-pleasing way, just to be clear. Not because you're trying to make people feel comfortable, but just... Drop it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be dramatic. <laughs> I don't want to make it. So my key is, and we'll actually link the, uh, the link to this episode, but it's my favorite way to get clean about my own emotions when it is coming through, like regarding somebody else, especially if I'm going to have to set a boundary like this listener is describing and not have somebody around anymore. Um, And that is the idea that, and 
it's called the model but you just like kind of thought download you see the circumstance what do i what do i not like about the circumstance what feelings is it making me feel what thoughts am i having about the circumstance and what results are being created what actions am i doing and what results am i getting because of this thought process and then you can at least come to it from a place of clean emotions and not really drama heavy baggage laden emotions Mm -hmm. so you can actually walk away from a friendship if you ever need to from a really clear space instead of a murky space does that make sense right so that's really my only tip i'll link i'll link that so you can actually practice if you're having a situation where you need to do that you can just be clean about it you know because i'm okay with feeling emotions and setting boundaries and walking away from things if that's what's best but i think it's really important to not have it be a do you guys get what I'm saying? A grumpy, like mad space. Resentful. Yeah, totally. And I'm going to make this into a big deal, and then our kids are going to hate each other, and mm-hmm. they're going to fight at school. And I, I need to prove a point about this. Exactly. And, yeah. mm-hmm. and that kind of gets messy. So yeah. that's what I would recommend as a, a tactic if you feel like there is somebody who you don't need as a friend anymore. Or don't, I guess it's not need, somebody who you don't want as a friend anymore. Agreed. I agree with all of that. All right, guys, thank you for your questions. They, as always, very fun to address and remember you can leave us a review with your questions um and we will put how to do that in our show notes show notes let's find the magic hey everyone this is tara lynn and i would just like to give a personal thank you to everybody who has left us a review they are so kind i seriously get like teared up when i read them um one of my most current favorites is from a mom she says that our podcast came out about when her first baby was born and she'd listen to our episodes on every walk that she'd go on and she felt like she had like her best friends walking with her so I just want to let you guys know that um we've had a lot of people say that we feel like they feel like we are their friends and I want you guys to know that we think about you guys all the time as our listeners and we I totally feel like you're our friends as well. So I just want to thank you for leaving us a review and let you know it is so helpful for us and our podcast success when you do leave us a kind review. So thank you. Um, if you are willing to leave us one, you just go to search Find the Magic on Apple Podcasts and then you scroll to the bottom of the page and leave a review and then you make sure you push send after you leave the review and give us a rating thank you so so much and hope you have a beautiful day (coughs) (laughs) brown cows